Well, Merry Christmas. As I mentioned at the beginning of Mass, it is with joy that we come to this celebration of the Nativity of Jesus Christ. As we just heard from the prologue to John's Gospel, we hear that from the beginning of time, the Word was God and the Word was with God. It's one of the most beautiful, but also one of the most complicated Gospels that there are. What's interesting is all four of our gospel narratives, the the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and the gospel of John, all begin more or less with the existence of Jesus, the synoptic gospels with his birth, and John's gospels we just heard with where he came from, that he was always with the Father. And that's one of the things Christologically that's very important for us to remember that There wasn't God the Father, and then God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit. That Jesus wasn't created, he was begotten. And there's a very technical difference between them. If there was a creator and a created, that means one is subservient to the other. That one is in charge, the other one listens. But it's different than our relationship with our own parents, where we have mom and dad, they're in charge or at least they think they are. And then we have the children who think they're in charge because we really are. We aren't, don't worry. But there's that different relationship that we have that we can relate to here on earth, but that's different than the relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. That's difficult for us to understand, especially at 8.30 in the morning on Christmas morning where many of us were up celebrating last night and getting things ready for today. And it's an opportunity for us to recognize the true reason for this celebration that we have today. The light of the world entering into the darkness of the world. And so it's no mistake then that we celebrate Christmas just three short days after the darkest, shortest day of the year. Talk to anybody that knows the pattern of the sun, and the shortest day of the year is always the same, December 21st. That after Christmas, every day has a little bit more sun, a little bit more light. So it's only natural then that we celebrate the birth of Christ, the light of the world, to really show us what it is that God has blessed us with. More light, more hope, more peace. Especially in a world that we live in where it seems like there's so much just chaos, so much craziness, so much disunity. This is an opportunity for the Lord to remind us that outside of him, that's sometimes how the world works. Because when we turn our back on love, we turn back to sin. But what Christ is calling us to do is the exact opposite, to turn our back on sin and to turn back to love. Because love is truly, my brothers and sisters, the gift that God has offered to each and every one of us in this life, for us to embrace, for us to share, so that when the Lord calls us home, we can truly return to him in that love. And that during the Christmas season, which is just day one of today, 
It doesn't end tomorrow no matter what sales go on at Walmart for the end of Christmas sale or what the radio stations start playing because it's no longer Christmas. Today is our first day, my brothers and sisters, of this celebration that lasts 12 different days. Many of us grew up hearing that song that became very tedious for many of us. The 12 days of Christmas. On the first day of Christmas. Don't worry, I'm not singing it. Because that will definitely extend the length of the homily this morning. But in that song, we forget the very rich history of our church. That early on in the persecuted church in the first few centuries of the Christian and Catholic faith, we forget that to call yourself Christian was to make yourself an enemy to the government, to be persecuted, to be martyred. And so they had to come up with a code. And so the partridge in a pear tree, the turtle doves, the French hens, the five golden rings helped to catechize those using the 12 days of Christmas about some of the teachings of the church. If I remember correctly, I think in either this week's or next week's bulletins, I actually break apart what the 12 days actually mean. Because many times we think that there's just a song. Well, many times in the church we forget that we don't just do things to make people miserable. I promise you. Everything that the church does in her infinite wisdom is a gift given to us by God to help us learn more about God. As we see in today's gospel, no one has ever seen God, the only Son who is at his side, has revealed him to us. When the Word becomes flesh and dwells among us, we can truly see God being revealed to us. One of the most beautiful kids' stories that's been out for almost a hundred years now is the Chronicles of Narnia written by C.S. Lewis. Big C.S. Lewis fan. If you haven't read him, don't know much about him, highly recommend it. But in the chronologically first book of the Narnia series, in the creation of Narnia, Aslan, the Christ figure, sings into existence creation. And you may think, well, that's kind of weird except when we look at the book of Genesis in the creation story, and we look at the gospel of John in the creation story, and we hear that the word that God speaks, speaks creation into being. And when that word is given to us and inspires us to write down words, it gives us a revelation of who God is. And then he goes a step further And the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, takes on flesh and blood to live like us in all things but sin, to live for us, to take away our sins, to pay that price, that debt that we owe that we could never pay back because God so loved the world, but not loved in past tense, loved as in past, present, and future. God continually loves us today the same way that he loved those in the beginning of creation, 
The same way that he loved the 42 generations from Abraham to Jesus that we heard at the 5 o'clock and the 8 o'clock mass last evening. One of the things that people don't realize is there's actually four different sets of readings that we can choose for Christmas. Most priests do the smart and prudent thing. One set of readings for all the masses. I, however, am a glutton for punishment. Four masses, three sets of readings, three completely different but very, very similar homilies. Because the message in each and every one of the Gospels is the same, not just for Christmas, but all year around. And that message is God loves you. That message is God wants to forgive you. That message is God sent his son to save you not only from your sins, but from yourself. How many times do we pray for the gift of wisdom? Do we pray for the gift of knowledge? Do we pray for the gift of knowing right from wrong, left from right? And the Lord says, I've given you all that you need to make that decision, to be prudent in judgment, to be just in your decision-making. The struggle, though, is we allow sin into our lives. We allow sin into our hearts to then distract us from him who is the way, the truth, and the life. And so in the midst of our struggle with sin, God continually offers us a way out. For there's only one sin we believe as Catholics and Christians that is unforgivable. One sin alone. It's always funny, I go into my freshman class when I was the chaplain at McGinnis and I'd say, what sins are unforgivable? They say, murder, adultery, this and this and this and this and this. I said, no, God can and will forgive each and every one of those. That doesn't give you the excuse to make them. But there's one sin that's unforgivable. It's called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Okay, what does that mean then, Father? It means that if you ask God for forgiveness, he's going to forgive you. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is believing that God does not have the ability to forgive you, so you don't ask for his forgiveness. So why is it the only unforgivable sin? Because he's not going to force his forgiveness upon you. That's how much God loves you. He loves you so much that he will allow you to choose not him. He loves you so much that he will allow us to always come back to his love. But it has to be our choice. That's what he gives us in our free will. The choice to choose him or to choose death, which is the price of sin. And so when Jesus Christ became flesh, he took on him the burdens of our sins. But even in the garden, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, struggled with that burden. And he cried out before God the Father and said, Father, if it be your will, take this cup from my lips, but not my will, thy will be done. And the Son was obedient to the will of the Father and shows us in his action how we are too to live our own lives in obedience, not out of self-righteousness, but out of love. 
And so as we come together as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ on this Christmas morning, we are reminded of the love of God. That he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to remain in your sins, not because it separates him from us, but it separates us from him. So during this Christmas season and the days and months and years to come after, may we truly remember the gift that truly is a present to us, the gift of God's love. Blessings to you all this Christmas season and have a happy, merry, and blessed Christmas.